reading from Exodus chapters 11, 12, and 13, verses 1 to 16. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. After it, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor, for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all of the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, In the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months, which will be the first month of the year for you. To all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take the according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall take make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. 
throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. On the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But if anyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And if you and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this day I brought to your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as the statute forever. On the first month from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a soldier or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all, in all your dwelling places, you shall not eat leaven, leavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clan and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by the service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up on their cloaks and their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they had let them have what they had asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. The 
And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. But every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is first to open their womb, among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today and the month of Abib you are going out. And when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you. No leaven shall be in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did to me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand, as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your in your mouth. For in the for a strong for the strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute as an appointment as a as an appointed time for from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. 
Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be a mark on your hand or the frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. One Jewish commentator gave this tongue-in-cheek summary of most Jewish holidays. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. Now, meals and feasts do prominently feature in the worship of Israel. But more accurately, all of these Jewish holidays should be summed up as they tried to kill us. The Lord saved us. Let's eat. Because Israel didn't win in this Exodus account. If it was up to Israel, Israel would still be in Egypt. Israel's salvation came from the Lord. They tried to kill us. The Lord saved us. Let's eat. And that's the truth to which all of these religious feasts point, especially the Feast of the Passover, which we heard described today. Now, last week, we had a really, really long section of Scripture read for us, for nine plagues. And this morning we had a really, really long section of Scripture read for us, but only one plague was described. So why does this final plague get so many more pages than the other nine? Because, friends, this plague, this is it. This is the final blow. This is the deliverance. This is the deliverance that's going to define the Lord's people. It's Israel's origin story. This is her identity. When Israel is asked from now on, who are you? The answer is, the people that the Lord redeemed from Egypt. This story is the answer. This is who they are. And this is why the action of the story today, did you notice how often it was interrupted with instruction? You know, as they're reading through constantly, the action, you're like, okay, let's move on. Let's move the story on. But, oh, a little bit more instruction here. And a little bit more action. Finally, we're moving back to instruction. In fact, the instruction is just as, if not as important, as the action of the story. Because the Lord desires that His people never forget. He never wants them to forget this deliverance. And thus, He gives them these feasts. These feasts are so that Israel might remember and so that Israel might retell. So that they might remember the Lord's deliverance and they can retell the story of deliverance to the next generation so that the next generation of Israel and the generation that follows that and the generation that follows that so that every generation will know who they are. This is Israel's origin story. At least three times we find this made explicit in the account. For example, of the Passover, it says in Exodus 12, 26, and 27, when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? What do you mean by this feast? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Never forget. 
The Lord desires that His people never forget. And in Exodus 13, we heard the Lord say the same thing of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the redemption of the firstborn. In Exodus 13, verse 14, it says, And when in time to, when in time to come your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Do we have the scriptures there to be putting up on the... It's not showing up? Okay, just checking. (laughs) So these feasts were given so that Israel might remember, there it is, and retell. Might remember and retell so that Israel would never forget. So that Israel would never forget who she is and would never forget whose she is. This deliverance defined Israel. And it's evidence from the fact that if we read through the rest of the Old Testament, phrases to the effect of brought you out of Egypt, brought you out of Egypt, it's God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember when the Lord brought you out of Egypt. It's used hundreds and hundreds of times. Because this deliverance was the foundation of Israel's identity, their morality, their community, and their religiosity. Remember and retell the next generation so that you never forget who you are, so that you never forget what the Lord has done for you. And friends, what did Israel need to remember? What did Israel need to remember and never forget? And what do we need to remember and never forget and understand about the Lord from the account of this last plague? Well, first, we need to note that this final plague, this is the Lord's final judgment. It's a judgment on idolatry and on all of the gods of Egypt and on those who clung to those gods. You know, we heard the Lord declare in Exodus 12:12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And last week when we studied the other nine plagues, we noted how the other nine plagues, each one of them was targeted. The Lord was defeating one of the many gods of the Egyptian pantheon with each one of those plagues. He was targeting the gods of Egypt in these plagues. These were judgments. And this, this is the ultimate judgment. We remember that the supreme deity in the Egyptian pantheon was Amun-Re, the sun god, because they believed that this sun god, Amun-Re, was their creator. And while Pharaoh himself worshipped Amun-Re, Pharaoh was also regarded as the son of Amun-Re. He was considered to actually be the embodiment of this god. Egypt's king was actually Egypt's god in the flesh. He was the incarnation of Amun-Re, and the Egyptians worshipped Pharaoh himself as a god. Pharaoh was the god of Egypt. And the time had come to bring judgment on Pharaoh and on all of the gods of Egypt. And also judgment had come to all of those who worshipped and who clung to these gods. You see, this final plague was the final judgment on all the idolatry and all the gods and all the sin of Egypt. And this included bringing judgment on every worshiper who stubbornly clung to these gods. Despite the warning that the first nine plagues might have provided. And secondly, we need to note that the judgment on this fi- of this final plague, it was impartial. Friends, it was impartial. 
This judgment was going to fall on everyone who did not respond in faith to the word of the Lord. Now, while the Lord speaks of making a distinction between Israel and Egypt in chapter 11, and through the other plagues, he has made a distinction between Israel and Egypt. For this final plague, it says that the Israelites needed to respond in faith, because this was an impartial judgment on all idolatry and sin. You know, I mean, I can imagine that some of the Israelites might have heard this. They might have heard the the threat of judgment coming and the description of what they were supposed to do. And they might have said, you know, I don't believe in all this blood on the doorpost stuff. I I mean, seriously, how could the blood of a lamb smeared on a doorpost prevent death? And we're not even certain that this death is really going to come. It was only those who in faith responded to the word of the Lord, the word that judgment was coming and the word that salvation was offered. Only those would be saved. Friends, not all who were of Israelite ethnicity or heritage were saved that night. Because no one was spared that night because of ethnicity or heritage. No one was spared because of their family alone. No one was spared simply because they had been part of an oppressed group or had had a hard life. Every person who rejected the word of the Lord, Israelites and Egyptians alike, who rejected His Word and the salvation that was offered by the blood of the Lamb, they were subject to judgment. Salvation came that night only to those who had faith in the Lord's Word and who put the blood on the doorposts. And that faith was made manifest by the blood. It was made manifest by the killing of the Lamb and the smearing of its blood on the doorposts. They were saved by faith, but that faith was manifested by their actions. It's as James would write long, long later in the book of James, chapter 2, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Friends, it was faith alone that saved them that night. And that faith was simply made manifest. It was shown by their works. The blood on the door was a sign of faith in the Lord and the salvation that he'd offered. And friends, that sign on the blood posts there, that wasn't actually for the Lord. I mean, do you think that the Lord actually needed some kind of sign to differentiate between the Israelites and the Egyptians? I mean, he hadn't up until that point. The Lord didn't need a sign. He says in Exodus 12:13, the blood shall be a sign for You. The blood is a sign for you. Because you will see the blood on the doors and you'll know that I passed over those houses where there was blood on the doors. And you'll also see those doors that don't have blood. And you'll see that judgment fell on those. It's a sign for you. It's a sign for you to see. Some responded in faith and they were saved. And some rejected, and they faced judgment. The blood of the Lamb was a sign of faith. A sign of faith in the Lord's salvation. And it was a sign that was evident to all. And those who were not covered by the blood of the Lamb were subject to the just judgment of the Lord on sin and on idolatry. And friends, that meant judgment was about to fall on Israelite and Egyptian alike. 
Because we need to remember, many of the Israelites were just as guilty of idolatry as were the Egyptians. In the 400 years that they had been slaves, many had joined in the sinful worship of Egypt's gods. You know, Israel was reminded of this many years later, when Moses' successor, a man by the name of Joshua, was used by the Lord to lead the people into the promised land. And he stood there in the promised land with the people and and was renewing the covenant with the people. And he declares to them in Joshua 24, verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. Joshua reminds them, some of your forefathers, some of your ancestors, when they were in Egypt, they served the gods of Egypt. And if this final plague is judgment on the gods of Egypt and all those who sinfully served and clung to them, then Israelite and Egyptian alike stood guilty of idolatry. Then all of Israel and all Israelites and Egyptians alike needed to respond in faith and be covered by the blood of the Lamb. It was an impartial and a just judgment on all the sin and the idolatry of Egypt. But friends, consider the good news in the midst of judgment. Judgment was coming, but salvation was provided for. The Lord made a way that those who would respond in faith might be saved. And friends, if Israelite and Egyptian alike were both equally liable to judgment, then that meant Israelite and Egyptian both equally had available to them the means of salvation. All who responded in faith might be covered by the blood of the Lamb. Friends, no one fell under judgment that night because of their ethnicity or their ancestry. Those who fell under judgment were judged for idolatry and for sin. So were there Egyptians who in faith participated in the Passover that night and were covered by the blood of the Lamb? Yes. There were. It's evident in a couple of ways. First, you might have noticed that in the regulations for observing these feasts, specific provisions were actually made for foreigners who by faith would join with the people of Israel. In Exodus 12, verses 48 through 49, if a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. If the sojourner, the stranger, by faith, joins himself to God's people, he too could be covered by the blood of the Lamb. And that night there were sojourners, those who were not ethnically Israelite, who by faith participated in the Passover and were covered by the blood of the Lamb and then left Egypt with the Israelites. We read in Exodus 12:37-38, And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went with them. And very much livestock, both flocks and herds. A mixed multitude. Who was this mixed multitude? You know, this phrase is used later on in the Old Testament. In Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 3, where it's talking about mixed marriages, where Israelites had intermarried with the people of the nations around them. And so speaking of those, it's speaking here of those who had joined themselves with Israel. 
I mean, remember, Israel lived in Egypt for 400 years. Is there any doubt that intermarriage between Israelites and Egyptians might have happened in that time? In fact, you might remember that one of Jacob's 12 sons, Joseph, Joseph was given an Egyptian wife. In Genesis 41, it says that Joseph married Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, the wife of the white, I'm sorry, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Friends, what that means is that Joseph, one of Jacob's twelve sons, had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who later became two of the twelve tribes of Egypt, and they were all half Egyptian. Egyptian blood flowed through their veins. Salvation was available to any Egyptian who responded by faith to the Lord's word. And during the 400 years of Israel's slavery, while many of the Israelites might have fallen into idolatry, the worship of Pharaoh and his gods, at the same time, couldn't many of the Egyptians have come under the influence of the Lord? Might they have turned to the Lord as they intermarried with the Israelites? Or as they were influenced and became convinced of the Lord and his might? I mean, remember during the plagues, we saw indications that many Egyptians responded to the power of the Lord? For example, when the plague of hail came last week, we heard the plague of hail and in Exodus 9.20, whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses, but whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Moreover, we heard at the very beginning of the reading today, Exodus 11.3, which said, The Lord gave the people of Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So clearly, some of the Egyptians responded in faith to the Lord. And since the Lord's judgment on idolatry and sin was impartial, and since both Egyptian and Israelite were guilty in some way, all of them needed salvation. All of them needed to respond by faith. And all had the potential of being covered by the blood of the Lamb. This was the good news. That in the midst of judgment, salvation was available to those who would respond by faith. And friends, the feasts, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the dedication of the firstborn, they were all given so that Israel might remember this deliverance and so they would retell it to the next generation. And how important was this deliverance to Israel? I don't know if you noticed, but Exodus 12:2, the Lord said, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Time itself was resetting. My deliverance marks a new birth, a new time. You, I, I'm giving birth to my firstborn. This is your origin story. This is your birth story. Time itself is resetting. This is your identity. Remember it and retell it to the next generation so that they remember who they are. This was so important that they remember the salvation of the Lord that He made available to them. The deliverance from Egypt. For this was their identity. And they were to always remember and retell it to the next generation. And with that in mind, you have to realize how shocking it would have been to Jesus' disciples when he changed everything. You need to understand how utterly 
unthinkable it would have been when Jesus, on the night that he celebrated the Passover with his disciples, changed it. You know, we read in the Gospels that that before his crucifixion, Jesus entered Jerusalem with his disciples to celebrate the feast of Passover and unleavened bread. And the timing of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem was not coincidence, it was providence. It wasn't coincidence, it was providence. Because during this Passover celebration, this feast meant to remember the deliverance of the Lord. Jesus had come to lead an even greater deliverance. God's people were again going to be saved from judgment by the blood of a lamb. During the celebration of the Passover Seder meal that Jesus shared with his disciples that night, Jesus went completely off script. There was a script that was followed and is still followed at Passover Seder meals today. But Jesus, partway through, went off script. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says, Jesus took the bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Friends, Jesus took the remembrance of Israel's exodus from Egypt, a remembrance of the Lord's great salvation, and he does something unthinkable. He makes it all about himself. He makes it all about himself. Do this in remembrance of me. And then then the cup, he comes afterwards in in, in verse 20, he says, Likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, this cup, cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The the language that Jesus uses here is the same language we're going to hear when we get to Exodus 24. In Exodus 24, the Lord establishes a covenant with his people through Moses. And in Exodus 24, 8, it says, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. So, friends, recognize what's happening here. Here's the feast that the Lord has given to His people to remember His great deliverance from slavery in Egypt, to remember the great Passover by which they were covered by the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus usurps this celebration, and He has the audacity to make it all about Himself. He's proclaiming a greater exodus is about to come through My broken body. And a new covenant is about to be established through my poured out blood. Friends, if Jesus is not God himself, then he does not have the authority to change a remembrance that was instituted by God. And if Jesus was not about to lead an exodus that was even greater than the exodus from Egypt, then Jesus has no right to co-opt the celebration of the first exodus. And since only God himself initiated every covenant between himself and humanity, if Jesus is not God, he doesn't have the power or the authority to establish a new covenant. I know some of you are probably here today and you're still checking out Jesus. And maybe you're even here and you're willing to accept, you know, he's a great teacher. He's a great teacher. But friends, statements like this present a dilemma for you. Because you cannot call this man a great teacher if he says things like this, if he has the audacity to come and change a God-commanded ancient religious ceremony and make that about himself, or or, or a man who claims to lead a greater deliverance, or, or, or a man who claims to establish a new relationship between humanity and God, 
He, he, he's not a great teacher. He'd be a megalomaniac or a madman unless he really is God himself come in the flesh to save us. Unless he truly is who he's claimed to be. The very Son of God come for us to deliver us. Friends, who is Jesus? Was he just a teacher? Was he just a teacher who at this point simply went off script and went off the rails and started making claims he wasn't fit to make and changing things he had no right to change? Or is this truly God himself come in the flesh to lead an even greater exodus than Moses did from Egypt to deliver his people from an even greater judgment by the shedding of the blood of the Lamb? Friends, who is Jesus? Because some of you might be here today saying, I don't believe in this blood on the cross stuff. It doesn't make any sense. How could the blood of one person smeared on a cross 2,000 years ago forgive sins and prevent spiritual death today? Friends, in the same way, many did not believe in the power of the blood of the Lamb that first Passover. Who is Jesus? Can He be believed? Can He be trusted? Because we here believe that Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be. And we believe that by His death and His resurrection, God has made a way that by faith we can be delivered from the just judgment that we all deserve. We believe exactly as did John the Baptist, who upon seeing Jesus declared in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. The Lamb slain for us whose blood covers our sin so that judgment might pass over us. We believe, as the Apostle Paul declared in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that just as the yeast was completely removed from the kitchens of Israel, so Israel was completely delivered from Egypt, and so we are completely cleansed of our sins. We believe, as the disciple John wrote in 1 John 4.9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Jesus is the fulfillment of the dedication of the firstborn. The Son of God died so that we might be delivered to life. Remember, the Lord had warned warned Pharaoh all the way back in Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus 4, starting in verse 22, he warned, You shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I'll kill your firstborn son. The firstborn son of Egypt had to die so that God's people might be delivered. And every firstborn son of Israel was dedicated to the Lord so that they would remember the cost. And now Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, has died that we might be delivered from sin and death and so that we now might become sons and daughters of God. As John wrote in John chapter 1, verse 12, To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. 
Friends, Jesus is the Passover Lamb whose blood covers us. He is the one who cleanses us from the leaven of sin. He is the Son who died so that you and I might become sons and daughters of God. Friends, this is the Gospel. And this is the good news to which we are about to go to the table to celebrate. We celebrate a great deliverance that by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain, we might be covered and forgiven. Friends, sin tried to kill us. The Lord saved us. Let's eat. And if you're here, and if you have by faith trusted in what Christ has done for you, then join us. Join us as we remember and proclaim the Lamb of God whose blood was poured out for us. And if you're here and you have not yet by faith trusted in what Christ has done, feel comfortable letting the plate pass you by as it's passed today. But friends, don't let this opportunity, don't let this day pass you by because I or anyone you've seen standing up here this morning would love to talk to you more about Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. We'd love to tell you about the deliverance that God has made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we would love to offer you the opportunity to become a child of God. For today, we together have beheld the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the question that stands before us all is how will you now respond to Him? Let's pray. Father God, thank You. Thank You that You have made a way You made a way that we might be forgiven, that our sins might be covered, that we might have life and be born again. You sent Jesus to bring a deliverance far greater than the deliverance you brought by Moses, to lead an exodus far more lasting and powerful than the exodus that Israel experienced. And Father, we give you praise. I ask that if there are those who here who don't know you, that Lord, you might draw them to you now that you might assure them of your love. And Father, that, we might, that they might find your salvation. And may we who know that salvation celebrate and proclaim now freely and fully because of the Lamb of God slain for us. In his name we pray. Amen. If the elders would come forward for the serving of communion.